0: Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day, Patricia Trainer here with you. And uh, on today's show, it is uh, March 18, 2020, Wednesday, and as I record it, It is the start, the official start of the 2020 NFL League year. So on today's show, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to give you a few perspectives that I have over some of the events that have calmed down as far as um, the Giants free agency and just free agency in general. You know, things that have happened, things that haven't happened that we thought would happen. And uh, I, I have a few things, obviously. Uh, I made a list of things that uh, I wrote down that I want to talk about on today's show. So I'm going to kick it off with uh, with the first thing that comes to mind. And this is not exactly Giants related, but it kind of is. And that's the movement of now former Patriots quarterback, Tom Brady, to the Bucks. Now, you know it's it's kind of weird because there are certain things you know, if you follow sports long enough, there are certain scenarios that you just can't envision, no matter how how hard you try. And one of them for me was Tom Brady playing for a different team other than the Patriots. you know he 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 just became a fixture uh, in new England. and and just the thought of him moving on was just something I couldn't really wrap my head around. Well, his contract voided, he has every right to continue his career wherever he wants or however he wants, and he's going to do that with the Bucks, and it's going to be weird. But you know what? In seeing that decision and, and whatnot, it just makes me appreciate Eli Manning's decision to retire as a Giant. Now, Eli has always said uh, in the last year or so, and even at his retirement press conference, that he believed he had um uh, several years left or some good football left, actually was his quote in his in his body. And rather than play for another team or look to uh, play for another team, Eli decided to retire and retire as a giant. and um his at his retirement press conference, remember he said, you know once a giant only. Once a giant, always a Giants, Only a giant, and I'm so glad he made that decision because you know, again, while he would have been totally within his right to continue his career if he if he saw fit, can you imagine Eli Manning playing for another team? I know I can't, and it's the same thing with with um, with Tom Brady. You know, again, he has every right to continue playing wherever you know he gets a deal. But just the thought of him playing for another team, it's it's weird. It, I'm not gonna lie, it's weird. And I'm very curious to see how it works out for him and the Bucks. And you know, it maybe he'll be able to continue that magic. Maybe he won't, you know, now that he's not with Belichick in that system anymore, but it's certainly probably the, the, the biggest free agency story of the twenty twenty NFL free agency um period. So we shall see how that plays out for him. While we're on the topic of quarterbacks, I want to revisit something that head coach Joe Judge did back at the Combine that drew a lot, and I mean a lot of criticism. And that was his refusal to acknowledge Daniel Jones or any player by name. And people kind of were trying to read into it. Oh my God, he's he doesn't want to endorse Daniel Jones. Oh my God, controversy, new quarterbacks coming, et cetera, et cetera. In retrospect, Judge probably did the right thing there. And the reason why I say that is because if you look at what's going on down in Carolina with their new head coach, Matt Rule, Matt Rule, when he was initially hired, said that he was looking forward to working with Cam Newton, the quarterback down there. And several weeks later, Cam Newton now apparently has been given permission to seek a trade. So now it just kind of looks funky because, um, you know, after saying, hey, I, you know, I can't wait to work with him, now something changed. And I think Joe Judge, in retrospect, you know, when I think back to his comments made, he was looking to avoid that same scenario. And um, in doing so, um, nobody can turn around and 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 point a finger and say, "Oh well, you said this, and now you're doing that." And you know, he's leaving himself. He's leaving the door open to anything can happen. So while I think Daniel Jones will be the quarterback moving forward for the Giants by not naming any names for positions and whatnot, and Joe Judge is just basically protect not only protecting himself but basically saying, "Look." No jobs are won. No jobs are given, and uh, we're going to start this thing from scratch and and just kind of build it up the way it's supposed to be. So, I I think it's it it you know in retrospect it's it's a smart way to go and and good for him for uh, for for taking that approach. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trina. This is a perspective show based on some of the things that have happened in free agency. We're going to take a break, come back, and I'll have a few more thoughts for you. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Segment 2 of Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you. And uh, I'm just giving off some perspectives I had um, in these first few days of uh, free agency. The new league year has started as I record this. And just a few thoughts and whatnot about things around the league and things the Giants have done. And I want to start this segment off talking about some of the Giants' needs that, as of this recording, have not been addressed. And the biggest one is pass rusher. Now, a lot of people are kind of wringing their hands. They're saying, "Look, the Giants haven't done anything with getting a pass rusher. What's going on?" And here's the reality of the situation. The reality is is that Dave Gettleman at the combine last last uh, month knew. There weren't going to be a whole lot of choices. That all the premier pass rushers were going to draw the franchise tag, and that is indeed what has happened. So, short of doing a sign and trade type of deal, which quite frankly the Giants just can't do they they don't have the um, enough assets, I think, to to um, to get themselves a a uh, quality pass rusher. So. Short of maybe going with a second type of uh, tier pass rusher in free agency or just, you know, waiting until the draft, or better yet, waiting to see if defensive coordinator Patrick Graham can scheme a pass rush, I just don't think that the Giants are going to get any kind of pass rusher um, in free agency. I would be very surprised. Now, what's kind of surprising What's uh, kind of surprising, I think, is the fact that Marcus Golden is still out there. Now, maybe Golden just has too high of a price tag, um, which could be. I mean, after all, he did have double digit sacks, so maybe he's looking for a little bit more than what the Giants are willing to pay. Same could be said probably of Jadavian Clowney out in Seattle that, you know, maybe he's looking for a little bit more than what teams are willing to pay, but. I just think that what the Giants are going to probably have to do is they're going to have to come up with a way to scheme a pass rush. And one of the moves I think they're definitely going to make is you're going to probably see Mark, um, not Marcus Golden, you're going to see Lorenzo Carter take on that role that Marcus Golden played a lot in last year's defense. Now, again, I know it's a different defensive coordinator, different system, but Lorenzo Carter is at his best when he is allowed to hunt. And he really wasn't allowed to hunt much last year. He just, you know, they had him lining up uh, inside or, you know, just, you know, at the five. And, and Carter just is at his best when he can line up at the nine and just charge from the outside and roam from sideline to sideline. So I think that's going to be one change we see in order to scheme the pass rush. Um Going to be interesting to see what they do with the defensive front with um, the two tackles, Leonard Williams and um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Uh, They'll probably come up with a, I don't know, maybe some more twists and stunts and whatnot to confuse the offensive linemen up front. And, um, you know, I, I do think the Giants will take a pass rusher in the draft. I don't think it'll be a first rounder unless. Chase Young falls to them in the draft, which I doubt happens. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, look, the Giants just weren't going to force it this year. They they know they need it. And sometimes if you just can't find what you need at the price you're willing to pay, you might just be better off sitting back and taking what you can get and going from there. So I think that's what's going to end up happening with the with the Giants and their pass rushers. Unless somebody shakes free, maybe post-draft, or, you know, there's some kind of unexpected development that nobody has seen coming, um, that's the only way I can see them potentially potentially, uh, filling that particular need. Another need that the Giants obviously, to me, I think, are going to go in the draft, is offensive tackle. They haven't really, you know, made any moves on offensive tackle and look, this is a deep class for offensive tackle and if you're going to draft your franchise left tackle, this is the year to do it. Number one, the Giants are probably not going to be in the top of the draft order or at least they're not planning to be for, you know, again, after this year. So, with that said, you have an opportunity To add to your offense, which already has a franchise quarterback and a franchise running back, a franchise left tackle. Do it this year. Make that move. Now, I know people are going to say, well, what about Isaiah Simmons? He should be the pick. He's he's a dynamic playmaker. Absolutely, guys. I agree with you 100%. And I'm not saying right now that I have a feel one way or another which direction they're going to go. I'm just saying right now, if if it came down to the tackle or if it came down to, you know, defense, I think I would probably go with the offensive tackle because the Giants are so thin at that spot. It's ridiculous. I mean, at least on the pass rush, and I know some of you are going to probably chuckle when I say this, but they could potentially get something out of Carter and uh, O'Shane Zimenez and, and um, you know, these other guys that they added in. So, uh, you know, I, I just think that they've kind of addressed it, but obviously not in the way a lot of us had hoped they would. And that's with premier talent, which just wasn't going to happen once uh, teams started, you know, franchise tagging this, this uh, premier talent. So it is what it is, unfortunately. So. Um, one last point before I, I take the last break of this segment, um, I want to go back to uh, something from the previous segment when I talked about Tom Brady going to the Bucks. Now, one of the things I was curious to see was how the quarterback carousel would spin regarding um, where the quarterbacks went. Because this is a very deep quarterbacks class, as you guys know. And there are several teams with um who need quarterbacks. So, in looking at the the draft order for the NFL in the first round, um, Cincinnati obviously needs a quarterback. Miami still needs a quarterback. The Chargers. You know, they they say they're going to go with Tyrod Taylor. I find it hard to believe that the Chargers won't draft a quarterback, their next franchise quarterback. Carolina, I think, is probably going to be in the market for a quarterback. So basically, the Giants are in really good shape at number four. You know, assuming Detroit doesn't trade down, and even if they do trade down, the Giants, I think, can potentially get one of those two teams that remain if, you know, if let's say Carolina trades up with, with Detroit um, you know, maybe the giants can get either Miami or yeah, it would have to be Miami just to get them to trade up thinking that, you know, maybe the chargers or whichever team is left that needs a quarterback is making a serious push for a quarterback's um, draft pick. So I just think, you know, after seeing how the quarterback carousel has spun, the Giants remain in, in pretty good shape if they want to trade down and accumulate extra assets. And uh, one trade scenario that I know continues to intrigue me, and I just don't know if the Giants w- are willing to go down this far, but if they could get down to 12 with the Raiders and pick up the Raiders 12th and 19th overall picks, I'd take that trade in a heartbeat. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but... I would make that trade and I wouldn't think twice about it. Um, you probably won't get obviously a pass rusher because um, there's not a, a whole lot of depth at pass rusher. That's uh top 10 worthy, let alone top 15 worthy, but you might just be able to get a good offensive tackle at 12, you know, because if you look at the needs now, again, it all depends on how the order ultimately shakes out, but You've got four teams in the top ten, Cincinnati, Miami, the Chargers, and Carolina, who need quarterbacks, which means some of those offensive tackle prospects are going to fall down to maybe that ten to fifteen range. So I would be curious to see if the Giants, if they get that kind of offer, maybe look to execute and move on that particular you know proposal. All right, folks, you are listening to locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer, We're going to take our final break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you why I like and don't like what the Giants have done in free agency. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants Segment 3. Patricia Trainer here with you. And just going through some thoughts that I had regarding what the Giants have done or haven't done in free agency. And I saved this part for last because I kind of feel conflicted about it and specifically i'm talking about the acquisitions that the giants have made now on the one hand i like what they have done but but here's the uh, asterisk if you will i like the way they have approached their contracts in free agency they have avoided handing out signing bonuses which was the practice of the past and which quite frankly got them into trouble with dead money. And instead they have applied roster bonuses in the first year of most of the contracts they have handed out. And let me just explain the differences for those of you who maybe aren't as up on the cap and how it works. With a signing bonus, a signing bonus is received by the player up front when he signs his name to the contract. But for accounting purposes, it is prorated over the life of the contract. So let's say a player signs a five-year contract and gets a $10 million signing bonus. He'll get that $10 million up front as soon as he puts his name to the paper. But again, for cap purposes, determining his cap number he will only count for two million per year, plus whatever other money he has due to him. For example, his base salary, workout bonus, incentives, anything like that would also make up his uh, his his cap number. All right. So now the difference with a roster bonus is that it allows a team to sign a guy to a contract and give him a low base salary, also known as a P5 or paragraph five salary, but make his average per year competitive with others at his position. So for example, let's say, uh, let's I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but let's take Blake Martinez, for example. Blake Martinez, I believe, received a $4 million base salary and I want to say he got a $10 million roster bonus. And actually, those numbers are correct now that I'm looking it up. So $4 million base salary and a $10 million roster bonus that is due on March 23rd of this year. So basically, that means Martinez has a $14 million cap hit. But in terms of Money being prorated throughout the contract, there's nothing prorated because he doesn't have a signing bonus. So, if the Giants were to decide to cut him after this year, which by the way, they won't because Martinez does have guaranteed money in his P5 or base salary after this year. Um, but let's say they did, the Giants would have a minimal dead money hit in the case of Martinez. I think it would be, um, Actually, yeah, his his twenty twenty one base salary is is uh, is fully guaranteed. So let's say it wasn't guaranteed. Let's say that eight point one million base salary in twenty twenty one wasn't guaranteed. If the Giants were to cut Martinez after this year, they would have no dead money on their cap, and they would recover one hundred percent of the base salary that is allocated towards Martinez. So that's the benefit of front loading a contract which is what basically the Giants did by giving these roster bonuses so that's the big difference and that's what I really like about what the Giants have done in free agency because in the past the the last two years the Giants have been like in the top five teams in dead money and it was just crippling them they couldn't make roster moves they couldn't extend guys there really wasn't much they could do and it's and it's quite frankly, this is a a tactic that's been around for a few years. And, you know, the Giants are just now wising up that they can do this. So, you know, kudos to them for, for taking this vehicle and basically phasing out signing bonuses, which have just absolutely crippled them in the last few years. Now, here's what I don't like about what the Giants have done in free agency. I go back to a pattern now. and This is a pattern for the Giants. What they have done, especially on the defensive side, is they have gone back to the well of familiarity. So in the case of the two linebackers signed from Green Bay, they happen to be two guys that defensive coordinator Patrick Graham coached when he was the linebackers coach in Green Bay in 2018. And then you look at James Bradbury, the cornerback that they signed. He was a Dave Gettleman draft pick when Gettleman was with Carolina. Now, why don't I like this approach? Well, the Giants did the exact same thing last year, if you remember. If you, They signed something like four different Arizona Cardinal players, probably at the be, bequest of James Betcher, then the defensive coordinator. And out of the four, they signed um, Olsen Pierre, Antoine Bethea, uh, Marcus Golden. And I'm trying to remember who the other one was. There was another guy that they signed. And I can't remember who the fourth one was. The name will probably come to me. But anyway, out of the four, oh, Dion Buchanan. He was the fourth one, but he signed later on. So out of the four, Golden was only the the only guy who really gave them their money's worth. And golden was on a show me type of deal anyway. The other three, you know, Pierre didn't even make it to the end of the year. And the other guys, you know, Betay is no longer with the team and and I don't see Buchanan being resigned to be with the team. So my point is is the approach the Giants took last year, much like the approach they have taken this year in free agency, is a safe approach. It's going with what, who you know and what you know. And that bothers me because, look, if you know a guy has limitations, and clearly I you would think that Pat Graham would know what the limitations are for, you know, Blake Martinez and, and you know, the other linebacker that he coached. Um, so knowing those limitations, there's only so much he's going to be able to do. Okay, so why not scout the rest of the league and see if there was maybe someone better, somebody who could give you a little bit more, do a you know, a little bit more in your defense. Why settle for, for you know, somebody you know? I mean, it just, to me, no guts, no glory. And if you do your homework and you scout and you, you know, do things the right way, uh, you will find guys who can contribute. And, you know, a question I get that I get very often from, from you guys on podcasts is, why is Gettleman so good with draft picks versus being shaky with free agency? And I just think in free agency, because they go for what they know, as opposed to expanding their mind and, and maybe, you know, looking at guys that maybe they don't necessarily – no, personally, or you know, have never coached or whatnot. Um, I just think they limit themselves. And as I have said to you many times, folks, when you you write to me and say, "Why don't the Giants sign this guy?" Well, player X might have been a fantastic player two or three years ago, but times change, people change, and players' skill set change. Some guys get better. Some guys, as they age, decline. And that's why I'm not a big fan of going back and and signing a guy just because he's a name, um, just because he's a name, you know, because sometimes the skill is just, it's not there. It doesn't match what you, you know, what the player was capable of producing years ago. So it's kind of the same thing here with what the Giants are doing. They are going back to the well, you know, and, and again, Bradbury from Carolina with Gettleman, and the two linebackers from Green Bay with with Graham. And um, look, it might just work out. You know, maybe the, the thinking is is okay. We know what they can do, so we know how they're going to fit into the defense, and you know they're going to address certain aspects of it. But I just think it's too safe of a way to approach building a roster, and I think it's a big reason why the Giants under Dave Gettleman have struggled in free agency. They just play it too safe. And the safe way is not the best way all the time. And, you know, we saw it last year. It didn't help. And I don't know how much it's going to help this year. So that's what I don't like about what they did. So, all right, giant fans that will do it for this edition of the lockdown giants podcast. Really do appreciate you tuning in and listening. We're going to continue to have some takes and, um, Different uh, thoughts about free agency, which is kind of dominating the headlines this week. And then next week, I'm going to look to try and get back to the draft previews by getting some of these uh, college hosts on the show to talk about some of the prospects because um, free agency will settle down somewhat. We'll get into the second and third waves and really talk about the draft this is going to really amp up. So that's the plan for the rest of the show. Uh, for the, you know, for this week and next week. Hope you will stay with us. And as always, appreciate you listening. Have a good one.